Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Herbert, mm-hmm. and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast, you slippery little son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, it's comedy in your ears, which we all love. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the About Last Night podcast with my boy, uh, Adam Ray. sexy pipes dude that's right <laughs> we gotta get some vocals on uh the uh songs of solitude follow-up album yeah <laughs> that's exactly what you don't need <laughs> no i disagree <laughs> i disagree dude i you know i love to make up uh songs all the time and and uh comedy ones obviously and uh just listening to all the tracks which are so fucking good by the way dude oh thank you man yeah it's like as if we needed an extra reminder that you're one of the best living sax players on the planet like so smooth dude and i'm just sitting there like and some of them are they're all just so you know unique and and special in their own way and i feel like you know i definitely want to get like a a breakdown of 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 the tracks from you and like what went into each one but you know, I'm just like sitting here smoking a little J, listen, listening to uh-huh. the tracks and just like making up like words in my head to them because they're so <laughs> nice. Some of them I'm like, oh, this is gonna be my bathtub track. Some of them like this is gonna be my walking track. <laughs> this is gonna be the baby making track for sure. Actually, uh-huh. that, could be, that could be all of them. It could be all three of them. That's right. <laughs> yeah, That's <yeah>. right. <laughs> um, where are you, by the way? I'm in my studio, actually. Yeah, I was gonna say. Wow. It's uh, just a loft space, about 24 by 24. Yeah. Got all my Pro Tools stuff here, my, my, uh, all my rack setup. stuff there, a couple of, couple of screens, uh, some of my horns over there. Um, How many horns do you own? Oh, too many. Yeah. <laughs> the, rest of, the rest of them over here. You know, everything's basically kind of, you know, within, within arm's reach. So whatever I'm working on, if I'm like, oh, I want bass flute, or I want alto, or I want baritone, or bass clarinet, or whatever. It's all, yeah. it's all basically right here, you know. I love that and you're I've keeping a, the. Oh, go ahead. I said I got a bunch of weird whistles and all sorts of, you know, just bunches of different stuff. Oh yeah, dude, well I mean even in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like there's a you know there's a box of handy snacks over there. I think there's some. Blues right. We got everything you need in the studio. <laughs> I love too that you're keeping the some of the you know my um, uh, friends the head and the heart which you guys know real well. Sure. Um, they charity I went to high school with and then got to know the rest of the band from just, you know, kicking it with them since they started and mm-hmm. seeing like their studio setups. It's like, I love when, and yours is in a similar vibe where it's got a comfy, casual hangout vibe, mm. but then you obviously got your corners where it's like very pro. Is that like in- intentional? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time up here. And uh, so the things that, <clears throat> that I surround myself with, um, you know, 99.95% of them approximately um, <laughs> is, is all stuff that I use on a pretty regular basis. You know, I mean, it, you know, like I've got, I've got the Portuguese flag back there. You know, and the nice. reason I have that back there is that originally I had the room flipped. And so my desk was back there. But during the winter, when the sun shifts a little lower, it would, it would, it would hit my eyes like at, at that top level. So I would have uh, uh, just a, a little breaker there, you know, because I'd be like trying to do some work. I'd be doing this. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and so finally I flipped the room around. And on, on, this, on this side, I have a flag from Swaziland, from South Africa, which so was dope. given to me by some musicians down there. So, so the things that are in here are, are inspirational also for me. Like everything kind of has its own particular meaning. So I'm surrounding myself with things that, that I really vibe with that, uh, that inspire me from, from different places I've been, different people I've been around. Um, I mean, let's not forget also like, like, uh, um, you know, Sackzilla. I mean, please. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget. <laughs> hey man, this might be my slightly stupid hat, you know, <laughs> dude, that's fucking incredible. <laughs> and, uh, the hippo hippo from the Flectones and yeah, photos man. and, you know, some cool folk art from places that I've been and been given and, uh, the, the, the Grugrux, uh, uh, here is oh, the, yeah. uh, the Grugrux cover and, uh, um, you know, just my friend Weintraub does this thing called instrument head, which is super cool. And it's one of his pieces there. And uh, that's, that's kind of out. I really like that, but people get kind of freaked out by it. So I just leave it above the door. <laughs> and, uh, it's really cool, man. Like I've got these, these letters from kids, like from, from wow. places that, uh, uh, that I've taught like, you know, and, and like some here just kind of, you know, just kind of reminds me of them and, and their inspiration and uh, different posters and things. And some of the, some of the cats, you know, Mingus and Charlie Parker and uh, Ornette Coleman, Dizzy Gillespie, Roland Kirk, uh, Lester Young, Sonny Rollins, Eric Dolphy. Yeah. I was going to ask you who know, your just, guys were. Is that, is that the wall? Of that's some of them. Yeah. Wayne yeah. Shorter, Coltrane. Wow. Um, so, uh, so yeah, just a bunch of, a bunch of cool stuff. A photo that I took. Are you took that? What is that? Spin. Is that a larynx? What is so, that? No, it's a spin photo where I actually throw the phone in the air and spin it. And, and, and it takes the photo and that uh, kind of gives you this whole circular kind of motion to it. And, so uh, dope, dude. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And uh, that's a weird, so I got this weird horn from uh, somewhere in, in the islands. Shabbat dinner? Where is that it a was. Shabbat? What is that? It, no, it, it's kind of a shofar, but it's yeah. uh, from a different place. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, got a different kind of thing at the front of it. it sounds sounds uh, a little different wow. than a shofar. Yeah. Um, but a couple of panderos from Brazil, another flectones hippo, the killer rabbit from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, of course. Oh my God, that's incredible! Um, little peanuts, lunchbox. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Snoopy, so we got that. We got oh, these little guys up here. God. Looking very weird. And uh, <laughs> prayer flag. And, and uh, I'm not sure if this is a PC show or not, but, but I have no, the... No, uh, it is, it is, it is uh, not at all. Good. Well, this is a cockerina that was brought back for me from somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, that was going to be my next question. How many cockerinas do you have? <laughs> <laughs> just, just the one. Just the one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, something uh, to shoot for. 
Wait till next tour. Yeah, cool short. That's right. Cool assortment of flutes. This one in particular, man, is uh, is one of my favorites. And uh, so I'll, it, it's like a it's a three. It's got three sounds on it. You know, because it's got a drone also. Oh wow. Dude, that's you know, sick. so it's got yeah, it's pretty wild. A couple of African drums that a friend of mine sent me. Uh, it's kind of a kalimba, but if you notice um, the 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 tines, if you yeah. will, the the uh, you might be able to see them a little better if it's if it's in the light here. Yeah, the tines are um, actually uh, saw blades. Whoops. There we go. Sorry, you stole that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, the tines are saw blades. Like these oh old, wow, you know. Uh, you don't want to really cut yourself on these, but uh, sounds pretty cool. And that's from where? Uh, it's from somewhere in Africa. I can't remember where it was, and my friend got it. Um, another photo I took in New Orleans uh, of one of the Mardi Gras Indians. This was in 2009 that I took that. And uh, you know, different keyboards and things. Um, I got this little piece of folk art from New Orleans. From this uh, um, used to be a guy, Mr. Okra man, and he would he would uh, run around saying, "I got juicy fruit," you know, like through this big speaker. And he's actually on the Group Rex King uh, album. Oh, that's he would sick. drive by every day, so we paid him to to be able to use some of his uh, some of the stuff. And and I had a bird in here. I had just fixed that because I had a bird come into my studio uh, yesterday and fly around and. Uh, you kind of knock that off kilter. I got a whole wall of percussion stuff over here also. Damn. Just from different places I've been around the world. And Yeah, I was going to say, uh, how much stuff do you uh, actively try to collect? Or is it just over the years you became such, um, I don't know if hoarder is the right word, because like who wouldn't receive, you know, the uh, all those dope things you just showed? Like, is it uh, is it just, I mean, you, enough gigs, enough people you meet, probably like any business. I mean, I feel like comedy and music are synonymous in this way where it's like mm. the amount of gigs and shows and things and people that like, you know, grow to just idolize you that they're just like, please, uh, like, I'm sure there's a closet full of stuff that hasn't even made its way to that room yet or that you just are like, man, I don't have, I've got enough cockarinas. Like I can't take another one. This, you know, like yeah, I can't you know, take another hey, kid. Hey, right, kid, yeah. I, I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> it's weird that you're ten and you're giving me this, but you know what? Like maybe when you're twenty and it's legal, you know. Um, well, you know, I mean, I, I kind of collect stuff um, from from my travels. Yeah, you know, and and uh, um, so I mean, kind of, kind of, I've, I've. I'm not really a hoarder, I don't think. No, uh, that was um, a joke, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but I just like weird stuff. Like, like this, for example. I was playing this on something yesterday. It's, uh, it, it's basically a piece of metal. It kind of looks like a, a, a boat or yeah. a, um, a pea pod that's been split open. Yeah. And it's a, a, a wrought iron um, metal piece. It sounds like... Or from the top... Dude, that's dope. I feel like yes, I there's all sorts, of, all sorts of different sounds on it. So you can do a lot of different things. But so all, all the stuff that I have over there, um, I've used it one time or another. And so, oh, for real? so when I travel, yeah. So when I travel somewhere, 
I'm just kind of looking for stuff that I don't have. <clears throat> I've got a plethora of shakers and, and pieces of metal. Um, we ever just bring something the on the road that. and be like, yo, Dave, I'm thinking for 41, open with the cockerina. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's probably not going to happen. But yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not with that attitude. But, but <laughs> yeah. is there? But are there things like that that you'll find and you'll go, oh, whether it's yeah, so, B or, or this show I got coming up in Nashville, like uh -huh. it'd be a perfect time. Yeah, so check out to break certain things out. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, so so these couple of things, these are these are kind of unique. These are from different lands. Um, so this this is a camel bell. Oh, dope. Like a handmade camel bell. And I don't even remember where I found it, but you, I don't know if you can see it's it's yeah. you know, you can see the carving marks on yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, but it sounds great. You know? And then one of my other favorite pieces, um, I got a couple of years ago, I was in Peru and uh, <clears throat> I got, I was up in, in Cusco. My wife and I went to Machu Picchu. And so uh, a friend of mine in Lima had called a friend of hers in Cusco and said, I was up there. And so he called and said, Hey, do you want to do a clinic um, at, at this local sort of art house? Yeah. I said, well, all my stuff's in Lima. I said, but if I could borrow a horn or two, you know, I said, sure, I'd, I'd give it a try. So we went 11,200 feet. Wow. And, uh, and I gave this solo clinic. And when I was done, and they had like, like 20 people there. And he said, man, he said, I'm, 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 you know, he said, with just a couple of days notice, this is the best we could do. He says, but um, he said, I hope you had a good time. I said, man, I said, 20, I said, 20 saxophone players in, in Cusco. Yeah. You know, what's going on? And he said, oh, we're everywhere. He said, we could have packed this place with 40 or 50 people had we had like a week. Wow. He said, but people were busy. But apparently the saxophone in Peru is, is like the most popular instrument, which I didn't know until I went there. And then I was shocked to find out that it's this hugely popular instrument. So another instrument that they have there. So I got done and they said, <clears throat> we'd like to give you a token of our appreciation. Yeah. I said, okay, you know, <laughs> so they go over to the windowsill and they bring back this. <laughs> what the fuck? The jawbone of an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the jawbone of a, of a donkey. So, so check it out, man. So there's, a, there's an instrument called the vibra slap. Yeah. That, uh, that, that is patterned off of this sound, right? So basically you hold it from the front of the jaw and you hit the back of it. Oh, that's sick. Right? And you can also take out one of the teeth and use it like a guiro. Dude, that is fuck. That is right? sick. Isn't that crazy? So so they gave this to me and I'm thinking, uh thank you. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, but no, I love it though. I mean, this is the kind of shit that I really like. And uh just kind of the weirder the better, you know. When and so when I was you're, thinking Oh, go ahead. I was thinking, well, on the way back, I was thinking, okay, how am I going to get this through customs first of, of course, all? course, yeah. And uh, so I, man, I just put it on the top of my luggage, like on the top of my check bag, put uh, uh, some clothes in between so nothing would snap. Not that I could think of anything that would snap this thing anyway. It's very thick. And, uh, you know, as soon as I got through customs, I looked and it was there and I was like, okay, wow, great. It made it home. That's amazing. But there's dude. no meat on it. You know, there's nothing... There's nothing organic on it. There's, there's, there's no seeds or anything. So I don't know. Now, how long, does, how long does, yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, you have to be, 
how long does it take for your musical ear and you know from the t talented <clears throat> musicians that i know i feel like they all i mean it's like any you know um great town i feel like there's a piece of it in you that shows itself early on but like to have the ear mm -hmm. to to receive something like that and even with the little uh p-boat you were showing me to recognize that like there's value in that or to be able to use it for something that's mm -hmm. not everybody because i'm sure you would show to a lot of non-musicians and maybe even people that do it but not to the to the extent and level that you're at like you'd, you'd show them that sound and they'd be like yeah i don't i don't get it you know so like when do you yeah. that's a that's a that's a special you know i i feel like you know listening yeah I, yeah i understand what you're saying well you know i'm curious about things you know and uh so i'm curious in in how we can or that i can use sound uh effectively and and somewhat mysteriously sometimes too on one of the on one of the tunes this ep that i have that just came out called yes. Song, songs of solitude on one of the tunes it's the second tune there's this kind of do do sound going on do do right and and what that is it's on quiet the track quiet right it's on quiet yeah are these two soda bottles filled up to various degrees of water to be tuned and so I'm, so I, I filled them up. So there's three tones for each section. So I filled them up and I overdubbed. But even just like this, you know. So you can start doing stuff. I've got oh, yeah, another. Dude. I've got another Trader Joe, Trader Joe's ginger brew, which is lower. So, you know, you can fill them up and, and they change pitch. Yeah. And uh, um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways of doing that. Sometimes I'll tap, tap the glass bottle also with something. Yeah. With the pencil or a pen and get that kind of sound. So I'll, I'll do things that are literally within arm's reach. There's another tune. Um, I can play this for you from through Pro Tools. So it's, oh, right God. now, it's just called bass clarinet tune. So when I started this, um, everything was me. So when I started this, let's see if I can show you what it was. I do love, too, this, and I just want to say real quick, like, the mm -hmm. album is so good. And available right now for people to go get? Yes. Yeah, right. Songs of Solitude. Yeah, people can go now. They can go to earuprecords.com, which is my record label. Yep. Or my website, jeffcoffin.com. Uh, it's on all streaming services. Uh, it's a three-song EP. Uh, again, called Songs of Solitude. Yeah, it's brilliant, man. And uh, I mean, Thank you, brother. obvious. Oh, dude, it's so good. And and uh, um, you mentioned how curious you are just with music in general. I'm I'm curious mm -hmm. if your curiosity is what led to this EP because you put in there, which I want to read some of, about how music is the way that you personally dealt with like the shutdown of all this, and mm -hmm. um, you're you know that you're grateful for these moments of inspiration. Uh, you say introspection and reflection and the opportunity to find creative ways to be creative with people yeah. from afar um, moving forward in the midst of all this unknown and up upheaval find myself asking, how do we want to, our collective light to shine? Um, and then, I mean, even the poem you wrote, I'm assuming above that, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Can I read that? Yeah. A flower sure. blooms, the tree grows toward the sky, a bird sings her song, a blade of grass grows underfoot. The cloud comes and goes as it pleases. Water flows, the butterfly spreads their art on the breeze. A grape grows into luscious fruit. The bee gathers for the hive. The wind reminds us of change. A star twinkles in the night sky. Seasons come and go. The sun shines her light. The moon waxes and wanes. 
and we breathe in and out until we don't. All these things and more in their own beautiful, simple mystery. Are they not all songs of solitude? Fucking mm. gorgeous. Hey, oh, Dave, thank you, man. Hey, Dave, you might have to fucking uh, <laughs> swap roles for the next tour, man. We got a we got another lyricist on board. So, I mean, dude, like, I mean, again, people probably assume that like when you do it all like you do, that you have that uh, skill set in your repertoire. But how much of this album was truly uh, or EP, I guess, uh, these songs out of um, whether it's boredom or or a, a, a need to create, right? I think that's all all artists mm. can truly attest to that right now. I mean, even yeah. as a comic, it's like I'm doing these Zoom stand-up shows. I'm doing more podcasts. I'm doing like trying to find more ways to just put content out online. Not only because you know you recognize, and I'm sure with musically too, you go people want that right now because they are starved right. for it. But also we're starved for it. So you got to sure. find ways to keep yourself fulfilled. Right? Do you call it sit-down comedy? Actually. <laughs> Hey, dude, you can't be funnier than me on my own podcast. Uh, yeah, it's well, so, uh, so, so well, so no, it doesn't come out of boredom for me at all. Right. Um, I I'm very rarely bored in my life, and uh, you seem like that. Yeah, there's there's always something to do. There's always something to create. So, but they do come out of sort of that quiet introspection. When I'm home, uh, which isn't very often, most of the time. Um, I know that like when I start to write music, I know that sort of the waters have calmed. But if I'm home for like a week or even a week and a half, yeah. there's usually no way in hell that I'm going to get to writing music because <clears throat> there's just so much other stuff going on. So it's usually anywhere from 10 days to two weeks where I, where I come in here and I'm like, okay, I've got an idea, you know? And so, so this stuff, it, it all came from us being home. Right. And, uh, um, and it, it happened very organically. I just, I went to the keyboard and, and used just the keyboard basis, came up with kind of a bass ostinato figure, just something really simple. And it's thought, oh, I'm just going to like sort of create over that. Um, the first tune, and they were written in, in order. Um, Stillness, I was looking, um, I'm very interested in, in Indian music, East Indian music. Yeah. And so, uh, so it, it's based off of a raga that I was looking at. I, I don't even remember which one because I was looking at a bunch of them. But I was like, well, this is kind of a cool sound. You know, so I, I thought, well, what can I create out of this? So I just looped this bass part and I found this, this interesting melody. And I'm, I'm, I record as I do it. Uh, so I use uh, the program I use is called Pro Tools, which is yeah. a recording software. So I use it as a, a tool to write with. And uh, so when I was, when I kind of sussed the tune out, I called my buddy, Victor Krauss, who was a brilliant bass player. And uh, I said, Hey man, I said, if I send this over, I, I said, it's like this beautiful, easy, easy part. I said, but, but your sound is what I, what I want to hear on this. Right. And so he sent me over, you know, he just put the thing down, which probably took him four or five minutes and uh, just gave me some beautiful parts to work with. And, uh, and, and so I put the stuff together there. I got my wife on harmonium on one tune. I've got my other friend, Jordan Pearlson, uh, playing an Indian frame drum called the Hajira on the third tune. And so I'm layering different woodwinds in there also and, and just kind of exploring sound, exploring sonic sound, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so that's kind of where it came from. And then I'm, I'm, I'm literally in the middle of 22, um, 22 pieces of music. You know, I mean, these, these sheets of, of God damn. that are here, like all these, all these tune names, 
you know, these are all individual tunes. This is just a form, another whole sheet of individual tunes. Yeah. This is a big band tune that I'm doing. And then like one that just involves five saxophones and rhythm section. So I'm literally in the middle of 22 different tunes that I haven't had time to get to. Some are brand new. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask so like, how many uh, did you write? Cause I feel like this is always, and I've even heard this with, with uh, DMB, like that when you guys are putting an album together, there's always some, you know, some that just don't make it on because of, sure. I mean, I don't know what the rhyme and reason is, but, um, but. Uh, well, everybody overwrites, I think, you know, right. everybody tries to write more stuff than needed so that you can take the best of, of, of what you've got, you sure. know? And uh, um, so for me, like these singles, if you will, I've started to, to release singles on my yeah. label. Yeah. And uh, we've already released a couple. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I just have all this information that I'm trying to, to get through and, and get done. So I'm sending stuff to Brazil, wow. Colorado, New York, uh, LA, Vegas, blah, 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 blah. So I'm sending this stuff all over the, all over the place. A uh, lot of, a lot of guys here in Nashville that I'm using also. Um, I'm just trying to get some cats some work and pay them a little bit of money Good for you, man, because everything is, is drying up, you know? The ITA studio streams that I do, I do a studio stream every Friday at seven. Yeah. It's called In the Studio. And uh, so I bring people in here and I talk about a tune. I'll break it down, open it up. And, uh, and, and I take donations on that site also. Uh, and all that money goes back to Nashville, local national musicians that That's are out awesome. of work. And uh, so I'm trying to do my part, you know, and, and uh, trying, to, trying to keep all that going. But the stuff that I'm doing, I'm going to play a tune for you here. Yeah, please. I'm going I'm to plug in. I won't be able to hear you for a second. But I'm okay. Gonna, um, you'll be able to hear the sound coming from Pro Tools. Okay, great. And uh, I'll be able to talk to you through this microphone here. You'll be able to hear me. Love it. And uh, so this is a tune that, that uh, I brought in, um, again, literally, like just whatever I could grab that was within my reach. Yeah. And so, uh, so it started off with bass clarinet. One of the bottles, I don't remember what I was doing with the bottle, that metal percussion thing, uh, some shakers. So this is just like, this is the very beginnings of this tune, okay? Uh, you, you can hear me through this, right? Yep, oh yeah. Okay, thumbs up, you can hear this microphone? Yep, yep. I'm gonna take the, 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 uh, the reverb off of it. Can you hear me or no? Okay, so I'm going to play you a little of this tune here. Okay. So I can hear myself here too. All right, so here you go. So I've got the bass clarinet going through some weird kind of loop also. Oh, yeah, dude. Weird kind of effect. Right, so that's that's how it started. That's dope. And then I started to add clarinet, piccolo, alto flute, bass flute, uh, some different claps. Um, let's see, what else have I got in here? I've got there's a little vocal line later on that's kind of woven through. Oh, melodica, which is like a like a windblown keyboard. It's kind of like a tube. Uh, a guy named uh, um, um, Jacob Collier plays one quite a lot. And uh, so, so then it became this. Uh, 
And here comes the melody. Right, so, so, Dude, so that's we have that. Sick. And then what I did is I added some bass to it. Uh, my buddy Felix Pastorius, who plays um, with me quite a lot. Um, we've recorded a lot and toured together a lot. So he was in town. And uh, I said, well, man, I said, let's, let's throw some bass on. Let's, let's double what's going on. All right, so it starts to fill it out. Right? Ooh, so yeah, then dude. I was like, okay, well, that's cool. I like that. And uh, so then I, I got with uh, the great drummer Chester Thompson, who lives here in town. Chester played with, with uh, Genesis and Weather Report. Frank Zappa, uh, George Duke. I mean, he's monstrous. And uh, so I said, well, I said, well, Chester, I said, why don't you, why don't you play over this? And, and so, so he said, because um, the tune originally was pretty short because it was just a little experiment. And he said, uh, he says, is this as long as it is? It was like, like three minutes long or maybe two and a half minutes long. I said, yeah, I said, kind of. I said, it's just, no, that's what it is. And, yeah. and uh, I said, well, I said, should it be longer, do you think? He said, well, from a purely selfish standpoint, I'd love to play on it. So I said, okay. I said, so I said, give me an hour. So I, so in Pro Tools, I did a bunch of editing, put it together and, and basically, you know, it's like a five and a half minute tune now. So I said, I said, all right. I said, well, I'll, I'll send it to you. So, so now this is with Chester playing drums in addition to all this other stuff. Uh, this is what we have going forward now. So I put a little bass up front. Oh, yeah, dude. So it gives it this whole crazy funky thing. And then, dude, so, you so might have to write the theme for my new pod for my uh, podcast, dude. Bernardo Aguilar. And uh, he plays with, with my friend Carlos Malta in this group called Pife Moderno. It's P-I-F-E Moderno. And uh, it's this incredible uh, fife and drum band out of Rio. And uh, so I said, hey, man, I said, I'd love to get, I'd love to get you on this. So, <laughs> so I, I just got this. Um, uh, I guess got his tracks yesterday. He sent me let's see, two, four, six, eight. 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22 tracks of percussion, including the, 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 the Brazilian barambao, which looks like a bow and arrow that you play. And, uh, and so, so this is what, this is some of what that adds. Check this out. So this is the whole thing. Now this is all the sounds together. Yeah, dude. <laughs> the psychedelics, yeah, you know? Man. Oh, yeah, man. Right, so he gave me all that. So that, that's going through. And then at the end, um, uh, he did this incredible thing where he starts, like, kind of juxtaposing these different, this different kind of ostinato rhythm over what I'm doing 
and uh, um, and so what I'm doing is I'm fading that rhythm in so that at a certain point, this is like the last, uh, I don't know, was it last minute or so of the tune? Last minute and 13 seconds of the tune. And uh, um, so the way that this kind of thing kind of comes in and then it's got all this kind of earth going on through the thing. So ch check out this last minute and minute plus. King Squaro Hotel. May I have your last name, please? Good morning, ma'am. Can I help you? Oh, my, what happened? Oh, bellmen are clumsy and stupid. Still a bellman. You've had this job since high school, right? Well, actually, now I am the bell captain. Oh. All right, kid. You ready for check-ins? I was born. I think he was going to say I was born ready. Steve's the captain. Captain Steve. <laughs> the closest thing we have to a god on Earth Gunther Gashimone! It's worse than I thought. He's a complete slime ball, right? Oh, yeah, no question. Do you feel my foot on your foot? That's not me. There's something under the table that feels like a foot. What are you doing right now? I'm working. I got a promotion. I just lied to Kelly. Why would you do that? I don't know, man. I just want another shot. Sid Whitman worked his way up the ladder and bought the hotel. Mr. Boss! Do me a favor. Take it easy on the bellman, would you? I'd rather have crack guard melt my balls. Take care, boys. I mean, it's a huge scam. And those girls were in on it, too. Don't you want to know what our bodies are capable of? Girl, yes, yes, oh, definitely. I just work here during the day, but I, my nights is off. Let's do this! Gunther is conning everyone with Spearfresh. <laughs> you broke into a guest room! This! He's unacceptable. He has been impersonating a manager. And that is a felony. I don't think that's a felony. He should be fired! Get set! Maybe I'm not sure he's ready for... Shut up, bitch. <laughs> With our minds, we begin to urinate, and then, for real, into our pants. Dude. <laughs> and bow at the end, right? Oh, hey, yeah, man. Plug so I can hear you again. Yeah, dude. Dude, that was uh, impressive as shit. It, thanks for breaking down, too, how you just, I mean, everything had its place and how it, it, it fit in there. Right, <clears throat> right. It's, yeah, it's very uh, interesting. And, hearing, and, seeing, yeah, seeing how you guys build, I mean, that's like, that was a nice little quick clinic, which I know you do a lot yeah. of. I didn't know that you were teaching, by the way, as well, like over 300 
plus clinics I think you've done, like you said, in yeah. mm -hmm. all over the world. I mean, you, even just right there, I was like, oh, I think I'm taking one of his classes right now. Am I going to get charged <laughs> for this shit? Because <laughs> you're so, you, you so effortlessly uh, go into, you can't help it, dude. It's like, you're, it's such a part of you that you're like, mm. like, let me just show you this thing. Actually, let me just take you all the way back to how it started. And like, yeah. really just like, but, but I love that dude. And um, uh, especially with starting with the bass clarinet, and having that like through line because that was my first instrument I picked up in the fifth grade was a clarinet. Oh wow! And played right for four years. And then my yeah. mom, but this is why I started playing it. My mom encouraged me to play the clarinet. Like you, by the way, I wanted to play the drums. Didn't actually ever mm -hmm. play them, but I know that you actually got into it. And mm -hmm. then, or no, folks didn't let you do it, right? Right. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. Um, Similar thing, clarinet though, my mom was like, play that. I was like, it seems cool. The woodwind sound like just spoke to me right out of the mm -hmm. gate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, but I had this problem where I would practice all the time and then get in class for the test. And then it was squeak city. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And, uh, uh -huh. and so I couldn't get over that. Um, but my mom, her whole game plan was for me to eventually segue to the sax because she's oh, like, wow. this instrument is sexy as fuck. Even she, yeah. she dated a guy at one point that like bought me a sax, but it was like, it looked like he found it on the side of the freeway and was like, Hey, I'll get some brownie points with this, with this woman's son. And like, there was a read on it that was like already wet. I was like, dude, oh boy. I appreciate the gesture, but I'm going to stick with the clarinet for the time being. <laughs> but I went to a music camp where they let you try other instruments. And I remember dude getting a little taste of the sax to this day. I feel it's probably definitely one of my regrets that I did not try to stick with it because watching you play dude. And, uh, and just, you know, having a little bit of experience with the clarinet and, and the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, comfy, it's not too, I don't know, dude, it's, it's really, and then it, to me, what the big obstacle was, was getting uh, a strong pair of lungs and, and getting mm. the breathing down. Cause when I watch you play, man, it's, you know, and I've, I've been to so many shows and, and, um, and, you know, shit, man, seeing you back in the Bela Fleck days and mm -hmm. your breathing is like, I don't know how you got that good or if that's something that again is like a part of the whole um you know pie that you just kind of get when you have this innate talent for music or is that something you spend a lot of time trying to get good at yeah i mean any anybody that <clears throat> achieves you know anything at a high level i mean there's there's tons thousands and thousands of hours that go on you know behind the scenes with all that so so yeah i mean i've studied all of that for for as long as I can remember now, you know, and I still study it. Um, I still work on fundamentals and 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 thinking about those things and <clears throat> intonation and articulation and 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 breathing and um, you know the the whole thing. It's it's never ending. It's a, it's always a process. And uh, so with with the teaching thing, um, <clears throat> yes, I have to reinforce all that with my students. I've been teaching at Vanderbilt now for five years. I'm going into my sixth year in the fall. Wow. And, uh, and I love it. I love working with students. I love talking to them and getting inside their heads and, and hearing what they're thinking. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm good friends with all my students. It's awesome. Even though I hold their feet to the fire, you know, but we still, we have a lot of fun making music. And, uh, and to me, if it's, if it's not something you enjoy doing, um, you know, especially if you're thinking about doing it as a profession, um, you know, for, for me, it, it should be, enjoyable but it should also be something that you strive to get better at as yeah. you're going along with it you know yeah. and uh so i can i can make my students a lot better and uh um and and i hear it in each and every one of them i'm like wow they're 
when they're working on the stuff and I'm telling them, I'm like, wow, it really works. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, I was going to say, how many times are you like giving out advice and being like, oh shit, like, yeah, that is actually applicable or like, I, that was a fucking really pretty, profound thing. Pretty that much I just every said. time. Yeah, 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 pretty much every time. Yeah. yeah just making yeah, yeah. it up as I yeah. go along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, it's like, you know, so much and just from living and doing it that it's like, I mean, I know you have this uh, big five that you have for, yeah. I don't know if it's for all your mm -hmm. clinics with listening, tone dynamics, mm -hmm. rhythm and time, articulation and harmony. Did that, yeah. when you started to teach, were you like, all right, let me get some sort of a curriculum down or am I just going to go in and try to wing it and be like, and basically play for an hour and be like, <laughs> do that, class dismissed, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a little bit of all of that, to be honest with you, when I first started doing clinics, um, yeah, I was an education major at North Texas and a music ed major. But when I got out, I, you know, I didn't really feel like I had anything to tell anybody yet because I didn't have any experience right. as a musician other than just being in college, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so it wasn't until after I started playing with the Flectones in, in 1997 that I started doing workshops and clinics. And so at first I was just doing listening clinics because I thought, well, you know, these students probably haven't heard a lot of this really classic stuff. So I would go in and talk about it and, and ask them what they were hearing. And so we would kind of unfold music in that way, which I still do from time to time. Yeah. Um, I was also teaching up in Maine at the Maine Jazz Camp, which was, which was pardon the pun, instrumental in, in my developing as You know what? Educator. Don't pardon the pun. That was intentional. <laughs> and I know you know what you were doing. And fucking, you only Man, did this podcast to get that line in there. And I'm okay, okay with that. You're on to me. You're on to me. I can't slip anything by you, can we? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's and so, uh, so I was working with a bunch of high school and junior high students at this two-week yeah. camp every summer, which was awesome and amazing on every level. And so that's where I started to, I, I kind of used them as guinea pigs. I was like, well, yeah. what if we do this? You know, try to do this listening class, this clinic, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh so I started doing that, and then I was, um, there was something called the International Jazz Educators Association, the IAJE, <clears throat> association, International Association of Jazz Educators. Mm. And uh, it was in Toronto, and this would have been, God, I don't know, uh, it was years ago. Late, uh, I have no idea, uh, 10, 15 maybe um, uh, years ago. And so I had submitted to do a listening class, and they got back to me and they said, hey, you know, we've already got someone doing a listening class, but we really want you to present. Could you do something on, on saxophone pedagogy? And I said, of course, I'd love to. Thinking, oh, God, that's the bane of my existence. That's the last thing in the world I want to do. But saying yes is a really important thing. Right. And uh, because I knew that, that if I said no, then I wasn't going to get to present. And so I really wanted to present. So I went up. I stayed with some friends of mine in Toronto. So, so you accept like nine months ahead of time because they've got to put everything together, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so all this time I'm thinking, what am I going to talk about? So it's literally the day of my presentation. I have nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to wing it. It's going to, it's going to be horrible, but I'll get through it and I'll figure out something, you know? Right. So I'm literally in the shower before I have to go to <laughs> go on. <laughs> I'm naked in the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All soapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of the story. Yeah. Fine, dude. Hey, did not need a button to that story. Yeah. Actually, this has so, been Jeff Coffin on the About Last Night podcast. Go ahead and close up shop. I got some things to attend. Thank you good night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm, I'm, like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm screwed, man. Like, 
like all this time, all this effort that they put into like putting my name in the thing, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to crater. It's going to be like a bad night yeah. for you, you know, yeah. or maybe a good night for you. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, what are the things that students need? Like, what are the thing, what are the fundamental elements? So I started thinking about these books, like seven habits of highly successful people, um, you know, like this, that, and the other thing, all these different books are like, like five of this, seven of this, six of this. So I thought, okay, well, if there's kind of an umbrella over everything, like people can remember basically three things, right? Right. These three diamond points that a friend of mine had told me about. So I thought, okay, well, if they can remember three, maybe they can remember four. And if there's a blanket over the top, it's all five. It's just on one hand, you know? And so I thought, okay, the big five, what would they be? So I knew that listening was the very most important one. I started thinking, okay, well, tone, Tone is related to dynamics. So tone, that's your identifier. And I started thinking, okay, well, rhythm and time, that's, that's like kind of a combination. You can't have one without the other, right. you know? And, uh, and then there's articulation. That's the clarity of everything. Not only clarity of, of what you're playing, but the clarity of an idea, of an intention. Um, and then harmony, which I look at, rather than thinking about scales and modes, I think of harmony as the relationship between sounds. Yes. Okay. I was you thinking know? of between like the sounds with the audience and like not kind of. That's being... part of it also, but that's, okay, that's cool. kind of the big picture of harmony. <laughs> and so you can get more specific in there. So I'm thinking, okay, well, these are, these are the five fundamentals of music. Interestingly enough, they're also the same five fundamentals of a spoken language. Dude, com I was just going to say, you are breaking down stand-up comp, like the five essentials for stand-up comedy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, and so, so it's, 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 yeah, it's intertwined like that. So when we talk about music as being a language, we are literally talking about music as being a language. Yeah. Hey guys, Adam Ray here. Hope you're enjoying this episode of the about last night podcast with the one and only Jeff Coffin of the Dave Matthews band. Did want to let you guys know, as we discussed, Jeff, his EP is out right now called songs of solitude. We played some tracks on the pod. Uh, Going to put links in the description for the podcast on YouTube and iTunes. You got to go get this, man. I've already got it. I already shared it. Three-song EP called Songs of Solitude, uh, released from Jeff's uh, record label, Ear Up Records. Um, it's such amazing music, man. It's I wish I had a better word to describe it, but uh, as he described uh, in this episode, the way that he built each song, the way that he uh, approaches uh, a track and layering instruments and and finding the right sound for the right moment. It's uh, pretty spectacular. And this guy's one of the best in the biz. And uh, you can get this EP, Songs of Solitude, on his website, jeffcoffin.com, uh, where he's got so much other goodies. Um, he teaches Skype and Zoom lessons to aspiring musicians. Um, all that info is on his website, jeffcoffin.com. Ear Up Records has uh, many artists and, and other projects uh, inside of their record label. That tab is also on his site, jeffcoffin.com. And of course, Dave Matthews Band Tour Dates, which uh, has been announced on hold uh, for the uh, uh, time being. Uh, but all that stuff is at jeffcoffin.com. He's one of the best in the biz. He's killing this episode. And, uh, and I can't wait for you to get his EP and love it. Whether you are, are you know, in the shower, doing dishes. Um, I've just been listening to it when I've been taking walks. It's chill, feel-good music, man, and uh, from one of the best in the biz. Can't ask for more than that, you know? And it's not even Hanukkah yet. All right, jeffcoffin.com. Go get it. Songs of Solitude is EP. And now let's get back to the episode. I think I just spit up on the mic. And, uh, and, and when you think about harmony in particular, 
the, the, the way that sounds interact with one another, the combination of sounds, the relationship between sounds. That's what harmony is to me. And uh, um, so I, I, I did that clinic that day and, and I continue to do it to this day because it's something that's never ending. Now there's, there's other clinics I give talking about um, taking, out, taking the mystery out of improvisation, um, talking about the, the way that uh, arpeggios, which in a scale is the first degree, the third degree, fifth degree, and the seventh degree. Usually there's seven notes in a scale, like a major scale. Right. Do, 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 do. That's the eighth note, right? So one, three, five, seven. That's the arpeggio of the chord. Yeah. It's the first, the third, the fifth, and the seventh. That makes up the foundation of the chord. So I look at them as a skeleton, like a vertical, um, um, a vertical skeleton. Yeah. <clears throat> Without the skeleton, like the body is just a blob. So getting getting students to understand that. So I get into this whole thing of taking the mystery out of improvisation by using arpeggiations and how they connect one chord to the next how one skeleton connects to the next skeleton. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm deep in the education realm. I, I love it. I love teaching, love working with students. How do you um, gauge improv in music? I know jazz is like, obviously, you know, um, highly regarded as an art mm. form that is like, right? Uh, improv is like the true kind of core of what jazz well, exudes or no? The improvisational element is is deep in jazz yes but there's improvisation in every style of music in the world right you know whether it's whether you're in mali whether you're in in um brazil or argentina or or you know ireland or where there's improvisation in every style of music <clears throat> in jazz um quote-unquote jazz which is a, is a large umbrella for a sure. lot of different styles of music um the improvisational element is is front and center whereas like if you think about pop music a lot of times it's it's dealing with lyrics um form structure uh there might be a solo or two maybe yeah uh that's one of the th unique things about dave matthews band is that we get to improvise a lot and uh i was i wanted to ask um, you how, how much versus uh a normal like you know, and I guess, you know, jam band when, when you, when people, you know, throw that term on a group that, that allows for mm -hmm. improv to happen that frequently do coming from the background you've had and, and with, uh, Bale and the Flectones and now DMB, is it like, mm -hmm. is it just like a musician's dream to be able to have those moments in the show versus just having it stick to the script every night? Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, playing with that rhythm section, man, is out of sight, you know? I mean, Carter and Stefan and, and Tim and now Buddy uh, on keyboards. I mean, that that's a dream rhythm section for sure. Man. Yeah. And uh, um, so, yes, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's it is kind of a dream band in that sense that we get to improvise over that. I mean, over that complexity and depth of rhythm uh, and that um, uh, solidness of time that that Carter has uh, in his playing. And uh, and Fawns too in the bass. I mean, it's it's fantastic. And you mentioned and allowing so, uh, for solos was a unique thing with this group, right? Yeah, because I mean, in a lot of pop bands, um, um, that's really not the case. You know, groups like Fish have a lot of it. Flectones have a lot of it. There's maybe a few other bands. Um, you know, the the um, the Grateful Dead guys, 
there's a lot of improvisation there as well. <clears throat> but with Dave, it's different. You know, it's it's structurally different. Um, the tunes are different. There's a different. There's an asymmetry to the music that's really interesting, and I think that you find that a lot in jazz also. Um, kind of the the only thing I really liken it to is is the Sting record, Dream of the Blue Turtles, mm. when he had Brent for Marcellus, Kenny Kirkland. Oh yeah. Um, um, uh, I think Daryl Jones was playing bass, um, so on and so. You know, I mean, the, like these heavy improvisational geniuses of their instruments. And, uh, and there was a lot of soloing on that record, Kenny Kirkland and Branford in particular. And uh, so that to me, I think was a very inspirational group for Carter and Leroy at the time also, uh, and Dave certainly. Um, and so that, that kind of, this is kind of a fracture off of, of that, I think, that kind of took a, a different persona. And uh, so yeah, the, the asymmetry of it, the, the angularity of it, um, the, the, the influence of African rhythms, uh, Dave being from South Africa also, um, the influence of, of funk and R&B, of straight ahead and avant-garde jazz, all that stuff is rolled into this group. Country, uh, Southern roots, gospel music, <clears throat> it's the whole deal, you know? And uh, um, so improvisation exists in this music as well and could exist in a whole lot of other music. Uh, when I think of, of, of um, um, someone like uh, oh god I'm, I'm totally spacing her name uh, she won like a thousand Grammys this year um, the young girl Shania Twain Billie Eilish Billie Eilish yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just trying to think Billie of Eilish. you know I, I love I mean I love Billie Eilish I, I think what Come she's on. doing is amazing man yeah really special and I first heard the record and, and I, before before the record came out I, I checked out some of her singles um and that's my mom. Tell her I'm not here. Um, <laughs> my hotel phone. They're probably like, dude, we found another pizza box outside your room last night. Our cleaning staff tripped over it. Sorry, but it'll stop. Um, so, uh, so when I hear her stuff, she reminds me of a, of a, of a, like a jazz singer also. Her, her, her pitch, her timbre, the way she sings very softly. It's almost like a Chet Baker kind of thing going on. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and it just sounds improvisational to me on many levels. Um, uh, I'm really drawn to it. Groups like Radiohead also. Yeah. Really drawn to them. You know, groups like Portishead I was into for a long time. Uh, Sigur Ross, um, 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 Bjork, who I adore. Oh, yeah. Um, she's a genius on, on so many levels, man. It's profound. So this music is improvisational. Make no mistake about it, man. This stuff, they do not just like, it's not formulaic. You know, it's, they're coming to it from a different angle. Mm. And uh, um, in Radiohead, when I first heard OK, okay Computer, um, I told my stepsons, I said, I said, these guys are going to go down as one of the greatest rock bands in history. Wow. You know, and people are looking at me like, Radiohead? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I said, man, I said, this shit is like nothing Next I've level. ever heard in my life. Yeah. And, uh, and it couldn't exist at any other time either musically because of the influences that came into that music. Right. And, and they've spawned this whole other, uh, they're still geniuses, man. It's unbelievable. How much of the uh, improvisational um, style that was going down in Bela Fleck, because they say, you know, you use everything that leads up to the, your next opportunity, obviously. Do you feel like sure. if you hadn't been in a group that, that uh, allowed you to kind of flex that muscle, that when joining DMB, uh, you know, presented itself, that you wouldn't have even been considered? Because I'm sure that factored in, right? When, when Well, we knew those guys from doing opening dates in the late 90s. Oh, shit. And, uh, and, and Carter and, 
Um, Roy, future men, Wooten and Vic go back even further than that. They grew up together in Virginia Beach. So there's been a long history um, with those two groups together. Gotcha. And uh, so that's how I originally met those guys. So yeah, without the Flectones, that would never have happened. That's crazy. And, and yeah. was that, was that, um, so you were with the Flectones 14 years, three Grammys, which by the way, what's winning a Grammy like? Um, you know, it, it was interesting, man, because it was, it was validating on one hand and, uh, sort of, well, the, the first time we were nominated, we didn't win. And I remember not being disappointed, which I was really happy about because I was like, oh, okay, well, this, this is important, but it's not why I'm playing music. Right. You know? So it's validating on, on, on one level and exciting, of course, to get recognized. And, uh, um, but, but like, like they're in my house, man. They're just up in, in my office. Um, they're not out here. It's not something that I'm like, oh, check out my Grammys, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, um, that would have been great if you pulled up one right from the bottom of your, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm not going to show you my Grammys that I had right here waiting for you to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your deal. I mean, that's way cooler to have at your disposal. Um, so, you know, it's, but it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible to, to win something like that. And, and, uh, um, so yeah, I mean, we're very grateful, you know, we're all very grateful and, um, so 2000 is, it's not why we play. Right. Of course. Well, for me, it's why I act. If I don't win an Oscar, this whole career has been a uh, fucking waste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll make some calls. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so 2010, um, and you, and you know, Leroy, again, you said like the bands, you guys were all mm. connected. Yeah. And so yeah. you, yeah. Um, how, how does that. It was 2008 when it happened. So I did, I did both right. bands for two years. I did wow. both bands for two years. Is that yeah. a, that's a, a big, lot. yeah, I was just going to say, like, I don't, because when they ask you, you want to, uh, just what's going through your head? You're like, can I do both? I want to do both. Is it like, do you have to check in with the Flectones to even see if they're cool with it? Or is it like, uh, you have to make sure all the dates match well, up? Well, when I got called, it was only supposed to be for a couple, two or three months, because Roy was, you know, supposed to recover right. from his injuries, you know? Right. And, uh, um, so the flectones were off that summer, so it was it was easy for me to change stuff around and 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 do it. And then when Leroy passed, um, you know, at the end of the year, they asked me to stay on, and I talked to Baylor and the guys about it. And uh, and Baylor said, you know, we're not doing a whole lot these days, so you should do it. You know, Vic is doing some of his own projects. I'm doing some of my own projects. He said you should do this. You know, it's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. And he says for for the way you play, you know, he said, this is a great opportunity for you. And so again, talk about a great leader, man. I mean, it's amazing. You know, that's incredibly and, uh, selfless, you know, like that's yeah. mm -hmm. because it, who knows what would have transpired if, if, you know, it hadn't been, if he hadn't been that generous with, with right. the next move. Um, right. So then when, once you kind of make that choice, I mean, is it just, you know, I'm sure you like know their music well enough, but is it just like, are no. you just sitting down? No, 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 no. Oh, that really? Was the thing. No, I didn't know their music, you know? I, I knew a little bit of it because we had toured with them a little bit, but the stuff I was listening to was very different. I wasn't listening to pop music at all. And uh, um, so when I got the call, I literally had less than 24 hours notice for the next gig. Holy And I was shit. in New York at a friend's wedding, so I had to have all my stuff driven from Nashville to Charlotte. I had to fly down from Boston. 
and uh, um, so yeah, it was it was a little crazy, a little crazy. Did you just kind of sit and, uh, on so a I couch just, and just listen to fucking hours of? I just wrote stuff. I just wrote stuff out. You know, Rashawn came in, Dave came in, and Rashawn and I just sketched out parts um, for a few days. Had him in a little three ring binder and and uh, um, a music stand and a light and just you know played the gig. And, uh, and just did what I had to do to get through. But, but everything that I had ever worked on allowed me to, um, to, to do that. You know, all the fundamentals, my ability to read, to write, to listen, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, to play all the horns um, and to say yes. You know, the power of yes, man, is very important, especially in our business. You, How know, did you that, know that as well as I do. Oh, a thousand percent. How did that first gig go as far as, where you kind of set on, um, let me just get through this and kind of, you know, not take any chances or not, you know, um, mm. feel out some of these imp improvisational moments or to kind of Dave look at you and go, dude, you know what you're doing, jump in. Yeah, that was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would just watch Rashawn for my cues and uh, um, just kind of went from there. But it was very, it was very seamless the first night, you know, and it, it stayed that way. So, so, because they're such an established group jumping into something like that, as long as you have your shit together, then you can do it, you know? And, uh, um, but I've never worked harder on a gig in my life. I'll tell you that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then when I had to learn the catalog the next year, it's like 150 tunes, you know? So every day for a month, <clears throat> literally every day for a month, three or four hours a day, I just put my iPod on shuffle and start playing along. Right. Cause the tunes are asymmetrical. Uh, meaning that, that you may have, you know, I'm, oh, a particular. I'm staying another night. I'm staying another night. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Thank you. Not, a, not anymore. You're not. <laughs> That's a podcast first, by the way. Getting kicked <laughs> out mid-pod. Um, That's awesome. What, what so were like some... it be, oh, God. Yeah. So maybe like there's a chorus. Like this, the tunes are asymmetrical. So it may be that in a chorus, we would have a particular horn riff that in the next chorus doesn't happen or it happens in a, in a completely different way. Right. You know, so it's not like you can learn one lick and just apply it through everything else. Um, what, so were some it's, of the, it's a tr what were some of the toughest tracks to learn? I mean, they oh, all God. are pretty complex um, to me, but. Um, one in particular, uh, The Last Stop is, it's insane. Yeah, dude. It's insane. I listened yeah. to it and I was like, dear God, what is this? Yeah. You know, and I've played a lot of complex music, but I was like, man, I don't understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I remember, I remember when we would we would play with them, and and they would play Rapunzel, <laughs> and we were we would try to figure out like what time signature it was in, and and we we're like, what, what is going on with that? And so the way that Carter plays, it's in five, but it's like it's a mangled five. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, um, it's kind of a long five over a short five, so you have all this polyrhythmic stuff going on, and um, and so whether whether to hear something in three or four. Cause there's a triplet going on. It's that African thing where there's like, gong, 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 gong. You know, so there's a two against three that's going on there. So do you feel it in three? Do you feel it in two? And then when this line comes up, well, that's in three, but the rest of it's in two. So, you know, you can't really write it out. Yeah. I mean, there's so many songs that as a fan too, I know, you know, once you joined and um, you know, there's certain, moments in certain songs that the the sax or flute just like 
stand out, right? A, a lot, quite honestly. I mean, that, that's why I think what's so brilliant about the group and, and you mentioning like even solos being offered up, but every, there's, the band can't uh, exist without all the pieces like that. And they, everyone's sure. got a, uh, a purpose with every tune, but that like sax solo and, um, you know, there's certain parts that really take it up a notch and ants marching, you know, as a fan, you're like, that's like one of those staple moments for, for, um, for the sax. Yeah. I think a lot of fans were listening to be like, I know for me, I'm like, if Jeff fucking nails this. We're good to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so what do you, well, do you think about that at all going in? Um, or is it, you're just trying not, to get, no, not so much. I mean, I yeah. mean, here's the thing, man, like the, the fans are unbelievable, man. I mean, I, I can't thank the fans enough for everything because without, here's the thing, man, without the fans, we're playing for nobody. You know, and uh, when I came in, the fans knew the music better than I did, and uh, <laughs> so crazy? so I, I feel like I it was the same with the Flectones. Um, I feel like I have an obligation to to learn the music to such a degree that um, it goes beyond their understanding of the music. You know, that 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 goes to a degree that what I'm giving them is at the highest level. And, uh, and, and so I think we all feel that way. And so, so, you know, they were very supportive while I learned the music and, uh, and, and I've got set lists that are like, okay, tenor on this soprano on this one. I've got a sheet that has all the tunes listed that tells me what instrument I had to play on it. Because at first wow. I didn't remember yeah. because there's so many. And sometimes like I'd have a horn, it's every now and then it still happens. I'll have a horn. I'll be like, Oh shit, this is on Barry. I'll have my soprano in my hand, you know? And, uh, um, uh, but I used to have to ask with Sean sometimes I'd be like, is this tenor or soprano? I'd be like soprano. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> he knows, you know, yeah, just so much information. You yeah. Know? And, uh, so thank God for him too, man, because without him, I, I wouldn't have made it through all this. Yeah. He's, you know? um, you know, uh, you and Rashawn were um, two guys I, I really chummed up that night. I met you guys at the Gorge when we got to come over to your hotel after and, and party yeah. after, which, by the way, like, if any DMB fan is ever wondering what the true Make-A-Wish situation looks like, I got to live it. Standing side <laughs> stage with an earpiece to get, you know, which they allowed friends and family that, that got that backstage access to mm -hmm. have. I was, like, listening to a live album with the DVD commentary throughout you know what i'm saying and like because right. you i wonder as a fan you're watching you guys chat and there's i mean it's like every fan is just going nuts not getting access to the onstage discussions being like what are they talking about are they talking about what the crowd is like are they talking about the next song every fan's trying to guess the next right. track um and you guys were so what really like surprised me how cool and cash i mean you guys were obviously like you're walking out to this you know, insane crowd at the gorge and, mm. and how can you not just be like jacked up? But I think you guys had done one song. I think it was opening with two step maybe, or don't drink the water. And it was a fucking epic. Like there was a lot of solos, a lot of jams. And at the end of mm. it, I remember you all kind of laughed and Dave was like, all right, shit, you guys, are we done? That was, that was a lot, you know? And like, you all kind of <laughs> laughed and somebody said like, how many more do we got to do? Because it was, and you all kind of laughed and I was like, oh, these guys are real loose up here. Yeah, yes, Luce. There's a lot of banter, a lot of funny things that go on. And it's, you know, it's not unlike playing a jazz gig in a small club. I always tell people it's like a seven piece small group 
that's playing in front of 20,000 people. It just, it has that intimacy between us. And, uh, and that's, I think, really important. That's an important element of, of this band and any other band to have familiarity and intimacy within the members. And uh, so, it's, so it's important to us. Do you know uh, going to, into a given uh, show and get the set list where your solos are going to be or will – how Usually, yeah. I mean, it's, it's usually um, consistent night to night. Yeah. But, but we, we change a lot of stuff too. I know you do. And, yeah. Uh, um, and again, that's, that's the improvisational element. The, the, the word improvisation has the Latin root of improvisus, which literally translated as unexpected or surprise. So when you're talking about like you as a comedian also – like when you talk about, you know, live at the improv or like, I'm going to improvise my set. The idea is it's not tied to music. The, the word itself, unexpected or surprise, gives you all the permission you possibly need to create, you know, and to come up with things that are unusual. And if you look at the great comics of all time, then you find that, that what they're giving you is unexpected and surprise. But it's not naive. Richard Pryor was a superbly intelligent human being. Yeah. You know? And uh, um, um, so the, the, it wasn't just willy nilly. He wasn't just winging it up there. You know? The unexpected and surprise comes from years of dedication to your craft. Yeah. You know, John Belushi is another one. Yeah. Um, years and years honing your craft so that you can be free within that. So the unexpected and the surprise can occur um within what you're doing that's uh could not be more spot on because i, I mean it's like i do a, a good amount of crowd work in my stand-up mm. whether it's a 20 minute set or an hour set just did a zoom show yesterday and and was picking apart all the people in the squares it was a lot of fun and it's you know when people ask me like oh how do you get good at crowd work it's just like you said all the experience of 15 plus years of stand-up and getting those reps in and getting comfortable enough with crafting writing delivering jokes mm -hmm. but then just being on stage and and going through all of it to trust myself enough which i think similar in your world where it's like trusting yourself enough in doing it all to where and and having success with the uh surprise and unexpected like you mentioned that improvising isn't as foreign to you because you've had success in in the other aspects of performing to where you just trust yourself to navigate through any of that stuff right mm. yeah like yeah i mean it has to be a flow yeah you know? and you can't achieve that flow without having the fundamentals together so your fundamentals as a comedian are are different than my fundamentals uh, as a musician but i know that there's overlap also yeah of course because you're dealing with language you're dealing with timing um you're dealing with structure you're dealing with form um you're dealing with the unknown also and uh, and those are things that I love the old saying, uh, leap in the net will appear. Mm. And, uh, and so wow. I think about that when I think about music, comedians, uh, art, uh, any, any of the arts. And, uh, and, and you, know, you have to be willing to go out there and kind of bomb every now and then um, to, to, to have one of those nights where you're like, man, this shit just wasn't working. Yeah. You know? and, uh, and through that, you learn so much. And, and for me, I know that... that um, my weaknesses have had more to do with my success than my strengths. And, uh, and, and I'm well aware of what they are. Believe me, I'm well aware of what they are.
and uh, um, and and <clears throat> so I look at those things and I'm like, okay, well, how can I um, um, sort of expound upon those weaknesses and make them eventual strengths? Yeah. And then eventually, like what was a strength may become a weakness. You know? Yeah. It's very it's very interesting, man. It's it's a it's an ebb and flow. It's a fascinating uh, um, process and journey. Uh, down those roads. Has there been a riff on stage through your uh, your your guys's tours in the last few years that you've all collectively during or at the end looked at each other like, holy fucking shit! Like this is, and I wouldn't be surprised if you said a lot, but if there's one that you can pinpoint where you just were like, you got off stage or the end of the song and you kind of like took a breath and was like, that was, I can't believe I got to be a part of that. Yeah, there are definitely moments like that. Yeah. There are definitely moments, many moments like that, I would say. Sometimes with guests that come through, sometimes, you know, just the seven of us. One of my favorite things to, to witness is, is looking across the ensemble, you know, because where I am um, on stage left with Rashawn, I'm at the far end. Right. So I look across, maybe Tim soloing, maybe Buddy, or uh, maybe there's a vocal going on and we're not playing. <clears throat> um, and, and, and I watch everybody undulate together in the ensemble. I watch everybody is breathing together like this, you know? And, uh, and, and, and those moments are the moments that, that I know that we are so in sync with one another, you know, that we are so locked in, that we are breathing in the same moment at the same, uh, at the same respiration rate, if you will, yeah. you know? And it's profound, man. It's, I don't know if you've seen this thing of the metronomes, all these different metronomes synchronizing. Like they have, I don't know, it's like 40 or 50 metronomes. And they're, they're, somebody sets them off at, at different times. And they're all like, and eventually like, chick, 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 all together. They somehow come together. Like you put a bunch of uh, pendulum clocks in the same room and they synchronize. Some weird shit in the universe, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but that's what that reminds me of. Um, Favorite favorite thing about the road when the when the tour starts and I know once things resume, you know I'm sure those feelings will come all flooding back. When you guys get set to embark on a summer tour, um, what, what just what's going through your mind, body? Do you have some sort of two week prep leading up to it? And then once you get on the tour, what is uh, what is that grind like? Um, well, yeah, there's always preparation. Yeah, um, you know, making sure that everything is where it needs to be musically. Um, you guys rehearse quite a bit, yeah? We do rehearse quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're always working on stuff. Always trying to improve our craft. It's awesome. Um, um, but yeah, once we're on the road, you know, it's, it's about the people. It's about being around each other and making music uh, for people and for sharing that. <clears throat> My goal at the end of the night is to have an experience where I feel like I've been in the audience and I want the audience to have an experience where they felt like they'd been on stage. Wow. And, uh, and, and that's my goal every night. And, uh, um, but to be around not only the guys in the band, but our crew who are amazing. Huge shout out to our crew, the best crew in the world as far as I'm concerned. Dude, well-oiled um, machine, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, to get to see the fans night after night, to get to play music like that with those musicians, night after night. I mean, it's, it's a dream come true, man, quite honestly, uh, for any musician. And uh, 
none of us take it for granted. Um, I will tell you that for sure. I think your fans too, and I, you know, am one of them that's just, you know, been to so many shows and, and, you know, do the thing that all DMB fans do, which I'm sure you guys joke about because you get to experience it firsthand. If you, someone gets access or you meet them unexpectedly, but you know, in the crowd during the shows or when you camp out at the gorge, everyone's got a dude, 2004 fucking Atlanta, dude, Piedmont park, dude. Say oh, yeah, people have their favorite shows. Yeah. Everyone's their favorite shows, but they've got like a specific a song and a date and mm. a year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just, uh, it's insane that, that the amount of like, uh, the memory that people have and the consistent amount of shows that people go to. And then I'm sure at a certain point you guys recognize, oh, these people are coming like for the gorge, you know, when people go all three nights, you guys obviously brilliantly have so many songs to do probably five set lists that night that are all different. Mm-hmm. How conscious is it going into when you know you're at a place for like double nights like that, where you're like, all right not only is the set list going to be different, but is there something going into like the energy of the show uh, aside from it just being a a different night that you're like, we got to make this different than last night. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Um, uh, There has to be an arc to it, you know? And uh, if you come out the first night and it's just like the most blistering thing ever, then where, I mean, where do you go from there? Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to have motion and movement like an entity unto itself. And uh, um, so, yeah, it's a very conscious decision on Dave's part in particular uh, when he puts the set list together. Then he checks, checks with everybody. And uh, um, sometimes things change a little bit. Sometimes they don't. And, uh, but, but, yeah, it's, it's a very conscious decision to, to try to give the audience the highest level show that we possibly can every time we do it. Has there been anyone that's reached out from your past or, uh, or just, you know, super famous? I don't know, man. Obama, somebody that you like. Never met Obama. I'd love to. Yeah, right. But somebody like in that realm that has like that you've met at a show that that is a fan that you're like, oh, shit, this is crazy that our paths are crossing. Or someone that's hit you up on Instagram or, you know, I don't know, fucking, you know, Carmen Electra is like, yo, Coffin, dude, fucking, here's a couple <laughs> nudie pics, dude. I appreciate what you're giving to the world. <laughs> Let me know when that Cockerino wants to come out and play. <laughs> like any sort of surprise messages that are, that make you go, God damn, this is a cool business. Well, I'm, you know, remember like, um, I think it was last year at a gig. I can't remember where it was. Um, Bill Walton showed up. Oh my you know? God. And, and, and being from new England, you know, like I remember looking over and, 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 and Rashawn said, that's Bill Walton. I was like, Holy shit. That's Bill Walton. That's <laughs> You know? So I mean, stuff like that happens, yeah. you know, I, fairly often, you know, fairly often. I mean, it's, it's just weird, man. It's, it's weird. <laughs> how know? was that? How was that Vegas gig? It's great. It looked, uh, dude, I almost made it's the drive really over. Fun. Yeah, it looked, I mean, I didn't realize there was a venue in, what hotel was it again? The, um, not the Aria? No. Oh, God, what was it? Um, the, the Mystique, the fucking, the, the I, I can't, I think, it's, I think it's with an M, I can't remember. Marquee, I'm, I'm so yeah. hungry right now. I'm, my, I'm, oh, my shit, all right, we'll let crash. you go. Yeah. So I, I can't even, I can't think of it, but it was, it was, uh, there's a something room in that hotel. It was intimate though, which is what I was so yeah, 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 envious yeah. about because like yeah. getting you guys in that setting is like, come on. Yeah, it was really nice, man. Really nice for us. Um, yeah. Well, Jeff, you're the fucking man, dude. Thanks for making time. Um, Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, it's good just to hang and, and chat with you. And um, 
I can't wait for shit to resume. So um, yeah, we all we all feel the same way. Yeah, man, and it will. And it's I, it, what's going to be crazy yeah, is that like I think there's going to be like this really cool wave of, you know, especially for you guys. It's like your fans are already being so diehard and and committed. It's like there's going to be an even like bigger just appreciation on everyone's part that we're like getting sure. back to that. Um, and I can't yeah. wait. And, and in the meantime, you know, there's a lot of music that people can check out. I'm re- going to be releasing a lot more stuff. You are. Uh, in addition to the EP, the songs of solitude EP that's coming out today. I mean, I've got a bunch of signal singles that I'm in the middle of. And so yeah, there's gonna be a lot of music coming out. So ears, yeah. uh, Jeff coffin.com or, uh, ears up, ear up records. You're up. Yeah. Um, and uh, to get all that and and yeah. I'll, I'll and ita studio streams.com is every the, Friday, uh, right? Every Friday at 7 p.m. Out, out of the studio, 7 p.m. Central. Fuck yeah, I'll plug yeah. that hard. I'll get all those links in there. And Songs of Solitude, right go get it right now. And uh, and everyone get on Facebook, message Dave, say Songs of Solitude needs to make its way into the rotation on the set list. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> we'll have a mellow set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. Uh, all right, keep that goatee sharp. I appreciate you, man. It's good to you see you. You got it, brother. Appreciate right, you Jeffy. too, man. Later, doggy. Thanks, man. See you soon. Take care. Peace, bro. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.